the Affordable Care Act is still law. We still have these protections in place. And what this pandemic has shown us is that more than ever, it's really important to have access to preventive care when you need it and to be able to see a doctor at the first sign of symptoms. This perception, it's too expensive, I won't look, is what we have to overcome. Take a look. You may be pleasantly surprised. And again, we have people bilingual all over the state, ready, willing to help, and they're counselors, not salespeople. We're always there. Our mindset is always about what is the best decision for the consumer. The consumer is always at the top of mind for us. And so we want to make sure that they get connected to the most affordable and comprehensive health plan that is available for them. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Vitalist Spark podcast. I'm your host, John Ford, and today our topic is health coverage, specifically open enrollment for the health insurance marketplace, aka the Affordable Care Act, aka Obamacare, whatever you call it. If you or anyone you know currently do not have health insurance coverage during a pandemic, no less, now is your time. Between November 1 and December 15, you can get free help from impartial certified counselors who will help you get no cost, low cost, or the most affordable coverage options available. We're going to get into details of who doesn't have coverage and how accessible no-cost or low-cost coverage might be for many currently uninsured Arizonans. We're also going to talk about what the Affordable Care Act really gave us and what we could all lose out on if it were to go away. And we're going to get into those details because, honestly, it is a reality of U.S. healthcare that some type of insurance coverage is needed in order to get healthy and stay healthy. And here's the thing. The Affordable Care Act is an expansive law that benefits all of us in ways we might even be starting to take for granted. Ending it will negatively affect everyone's well-being, yet somehow there are many misleading messages out there trying to discourage people about its very existence and functions. Our guest today will have a lot to say about all of this. So let's get to it. It's time to talk about access to coverage and care, particularly just how accessible 2021 health insurance coverage is between right now and December 15, 2020. We are just two days into the open enrollment period for healthcare coverage. We felt like this was a really important time to touch base on health insurance coverage in the United States and in Arizona, and we have three fabulous guests to do so. First off, from Keo Health Connection, Claudia Maldonado. Claudia, how are you? And tell us what your organization does. I'm doing very well, thank you. Keo Health Connection is a committed group of individuals who help the community navigate the healthcare programs that exist within our state. Excellent. We're so glad you do that work. And we're also joined by Zeta Didoff from Children's Action Alliance. Zeta, how are you and what does your organization do? Hi, John. I'm good. Thank you. Children's Action Alliance is a nonprofit advocacy organization, so we work to promote equity for Arizona's children and families. And last but certainly not least, one of our great old friends, Mr. Alan Jersevig from the Arizona Alliance for Community Health Centers. Alan, how are you and what does your organization do? I'm doing great. I'm excited about this open enrollment. The Arizona Alliance for Community Health Centers works with community health centers all across the state that provide primary care, and they all have application assistance. We also manage grants from the government for navigators and outreach to children. And what we can say is, 
we hope there'll be a day when everybody can access the primary care they need without worry about cost. And with that idea in mind, let's get to the conversation. Let's start at the beginning. You all do this stuff for a living, but most people only think about health insurance at best once a year. Alan, I'd like to ask you to paint the big picture. What's going on with health coverage rates in the U.S. as well as what's happening in Arizona? And talk about them literally from the top down. Where are we overall relative to the U.S.? And then how do things look as we start to look at different populations and different groups of Arizonans? First of all, the Affordable Care Act is still the law of the land. And we're having open enrollment as we have the last seven years. Prices overall in the country went down a little bit. And here in Arizona, on average, prices went down. However, nobody buys average. Everybody buys at a specific age, a specific family size, and in a specific county. So in the biggest picture, what we can say is about half of the counties in Arizona saw a decrease in the benchmark silver plan, and about half of the counties saw small increases. So to put a label on it, I would say overall the pricing in Arizona went down a little bit and it's remaining very stable from year to year, which is a good sign because it means the insurance companies have figured out the risk of this population that's signing up. Okay, let's zoom out a little bit further even. Let's talk more broadly about coverage as a whole. How are Arizonans getting covered? What percentage are employer-based? What percentage are going through the marketplace? What percentage are Medicaid or Medicare? And how does that compare to the United States? And how does that look compared to previous years? Well, overall, more people in the United States generally get their coverage from employers than in Arizona. In Arizona, employer coverage is under the national average. We have a lot of small businesses and we have businesses in certain sectors that don't offer insurance. Arizona has a very large Medicaid population. We call it access. And that represents about 20% of all the people in the state. One would think that Medicare would be the largest segment of how people get covered in Arizona, but that is not the case. Because here in Arizona, it's only about 13 to 14% that are on Medicare, where Medicaid is about 20%. Arizona has more low-income people in general as a percentage than the average of other states. Zeta, what's the view look like from Children's Action Alliance? What is the bigger picture as it relates to health coverage? We just received the first release of data from the U.S. Census Bureau's American Community Survey, which looks at a number of different things. And it's important to note that these are estimates and they're based on 2019 information that we had about the state. So in 2019, it was predicted that about 9.2% of Arizona's children don't have health insurance. That gives us a ranking among all of the states in the U.S. and Washington, D.C. of 48 out of 51. So we're really not doing very well. I think it's really important to note that when it comes to children's health coverage, Arizona reached a historic low in 2016 at 7.6% of kids who are uninsured. And since then, it's been increasing once more. So we're definitely headed in the wrong direction. And I think that that 2016 date is really 
critical to look at because that's when we really started hearing a lot of rhetoric about the Affordable Care Act going away. It's when we started seeing a lot of conversation about use of benefits by immigrant populations. And we just generally started hearing a lot of rhetoric that might scare people off of health coverage. This is definitely heading in the wrong direction. We would want to see the uninsured rate going down. The 9.2%, I think it's important that we look a little bit closer at that and that we break that down by race and ethnicity. These, are again, are just preliminary estimates. We won't have more detailed information or a five-year retrospective for a couple of months. But it does look like the number of uninsured American Indian, Alaska Native children went from just over 18% in 2018 to over 24% in 2019. The census data doesn't count just getting health care at IHS or a Tribal 638 facility as having health coverage for purposes of their data collection. But this is really alarming because for American Indian children in Arizona in particular, this trend is heading in the wrong way very quickly. They have predicted that this is currently at 24%. That's actually roughly as high as the uninsured rate was in 2012 before the Affordable Care Act. So a couple of things to keep in mind as we're looking at these numbers. We have seen a gradual increase in the number of uninsured Latino children. And again, I think that ties back to that rhetoric that we've talked about and some of those changes to the Affordable Care Act. And interestingly, between 2018 and 2019, we also saw the rate of Asian, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander children in Arizona more than double. So it was 4% in 2018 compared to an estimate of 9% in 2019. And all of those numbers are pre-COVID. So we know that the actual numbers of uninsured people generally are probably much higher right now as people are losing access to employer-sponsored health coverage. But this is the baseline already before this pandemic hit and before people started losing jobs, we were still headed in the wrong direction. The comparison for adults, or I should say all people, not just children. That same study, U.S. Census says in 2019, they estimate 809,000 Arizonans don't have insurance. That includes the children. But according to studies done by Kaiser Family Foundation and the Commonwealth Fund, they predict nearly 60% of that 809,000 earn less than 200% of federal poverty level. Federal poverty level, it varies depending on age. A family of four earning 52,400 is at the 200% federal poverty level. So of the 809,000 people that are not insured, about 60% for a family of four would earn less than 52,400, which would make them eligible for extremely generous financial assistance in the marketplace. And the point of people losing income this year, they may have looked last year and it was unaffordable. This year it may be very affordable because they may be estimating their 2021 income a lot different than they estimated their 2020 income. The point though I'm making is most of the people that are uninsured in the state, nearly 60%, are likely qualified for no-cost health insurance or insurance through the Affordable Care Act with huge or generous financial assistance. And the same goes with many of the uninsured children that Zeta was mentioning. Claudia, from the perspective of Keo, 
you're looking at numbers like the last count from 2019, but you're also looking at the very real circumstances that people are experiencing during COVID. Share what has been going on over the last seven months during COVID and the experiences that you've seen. I would say that what we have seen is there continues to be a lot of misinformation among the community members about what they might be potentially eligible for. And misinformation can be very powerful in that Zeta and Alan explained how the numbers are going in the wrong direction. And what we're seeing is they are truly going in the wrong direction from a ground standpoint because people are still very much afraid about public charge. Some people, they're not realizing that they're even eligible for programs. We've had families where people have been infected with COVID and they haven't received treatment because they're afraid. It's a very harsh reality that our teams are facing with our community members, but we're fighting it every day by trying to provide them good information, correct information, and a lot of health literacy about what's available for them and their families. And may I ask how that's going? (laughs) Well, we're really excited because it's open enrollment. It's November 2nd. Open enrollment just started yesterday. Our clients are calling And we have a long list of marketplace consumers that we are actively reaching out to from our database. And they have questions. And we're hopefully we're going to be there for them to give them the answers that they need so that they make the best choice for them and their family. Alan, what is this Affordable Care Act thing? Is it still alive? Because it feels like it's been under persecution for the last four years and it doesn't exist anymore. Well, that's a younger statement. One of the things I wrote recently was confusion misinformation, and consumers don't know what to do. Many consumers think that the Affordable Care Act is dead because that's what the current administration has said. Some consumers don't understand that the Supreme Court case that's been in the news will be heard in November and decided in May or June. Some people think it's already happened. They think it's gone. So we have a real awareness problem to make people aware. And the number of people uninsured in Arizona is increasing ever since 2016. The confusion is not going away. We are doing our best to try to get facts in front of people that the Affordable Care Act is still here. If you've lost income, if you've lost your employer coverage, take a look because you may in fact find that it's much more affordable than you expected. In fact, the ironic part about all this, Alan, is right about the time that it became true that there was less and less federal support for the ACA, and in fact, some open court challenges, that's right about the time the market actually got its feet and things became more understandable and more reasonable and had less fluctuations, correct? Correct. Arizona's seen three to four years of relatively stable prices. This year, Another insurance company has entered the market in Arizona. So we have six different companies in Maricopa County, and more Arizonans will have a choice between at least two insurance companies than has happened since year one or two. So if anything, Zeta, 
the health insurance marketplace, which is the Affordable Care Act, is actually more attractive than it's ever been. I would say that it should be. Yeah, <laughs> it should be more attractive than it's ever been. I think earlier, John, you asked a question about the distribution of how people get health care. We know that right now in Arizona, about 5% of kids are receiving health care through direct purchase. Another 40% are enrolled in Medicaid or CHIP. And again, those are pre-pandemic measures. But I think that really what needs to be central to this conversation about the Affordable Care Act is whose coverage is at stake when we're talking about that. So we know that Medicaid and CHIP are a critical source of health coverage, particularly for Black, Indigenous, and people of color children in Arizona. And repealing the ACA doesn't just come with a repeal of the ACA marketplace. It comes with so many other rollbacks in funding and in healthcare provision that would directly impact those kids and those families. Claudia, good news, bad news. The bad news first, that the ACA is still under attack in the courts. The good news, as Alan noted, a decision won't come until May, which means that people who sign up for coverage now are pretty much guaranteed to be covered for the year. So what's stopping people from signing up now? I would say the biggest thing that we're seeing is what Alan had echoed is the misinformation. It's like whiplash. One day they hear one thing and then the next day the news is reporting on something else. And what happens to the community is when your messaging is so mixed, you really have a hard time trying to make these healthcare decisions. It's already extremely complicated. And then on top of that, you're getting messaging one day might be saying, yes, it's here, or the next they're saying something else is gone. And so you as a community member are kind of left to think, well, is it or isn't it? And it's hard because you're not completely plugged into the resources that can provide you that unbiased information that can help guide you. And so when you have people like certified application counselors and navigators, we're there to help you make sense of all of the noise that you're hearing, because it's a lot of noise. And when you're not feeling well and you're sick, it's really hard to make your way through the systems and get the health coverage that you need. It almost feels like you need a PhD just to sign up for health coverage, unless, of course you have access to a navigator or an assister. So Claudia, how does one go about gaining easy and quick access to a navigator or an assister? There is a huge network of partners across the state that are all working together to make sure that people have the right information that they can get connected to a navigator or a certified application counselor. And so what we like to encourage people to do is they can get connected to Cover Arizona, and it is a statewide phone number. It is 1-800-377-3536. And there are very lovely people that are manning the lines to help you get connected to somebody in your area. They can even help you make an appointment. But most importantly, it's about getting you connected to the people in your area who can help you navigate these decisions. At the risk of sounding like a telethon, you can also go to coverazorg slash connector and make an appointment to connect with those folks, right? So let's talk more about where the Affordable Care Act is headed or where policy is headed when it comes to improving access to coverage. And I'm going to start with you, Zeta. 
John, I think that's the million dollar question right now. We're recording this on the 2nd of November. Tomorrow's a pretty big day in this country. A lot of things are going to be decided. But as far as the case itself, California v. Texas, that's before the Supreme Court, we can kind of read some tea leaves that have previously been laid in our cups, I guess you could say. We know that Amy Coney Barrett was just appointed as an associate justice on the court. Previously, she has been vocal about her disagreement with Chief Justice Roberts' opinions in NFIB versus Sebelius and V. Burwell. So it's unlikely that she would support the Affordable Care Act, support maintaining it, but it's unclear to what extent she might find the individual mandate severable from the rest of the law. And so that's kind of a big part of the question at hand. As far as that goes, the Affordable Care Act is still the law. The Supreme Court is going to hear arguments in California v. Texas. This case was previously known as Texas versus Azar and Texas versus California in the lower courts. For those who are following at home, it is still the same case. It's just progressing through the courts. Arguments are set to be heard next Tuesday, November 10th. We'll have to, to wait until the spring to really know what the impact of their decision will be. Thinking more broadly about policy options going forward, regardless of the Supreme Court case, What are we doing or not doing as a country right now in order to help people be covered? Because in the United States, it's just a fact. If you're not covered some way, somehow, you're not likely to get the quality of care you need to live a good life. I think that it really even goes back to childhood. We know that when kids have health coverage, they miss fewer days of school. They're more likely to get the preventive care and the developmental screenings that they need. And then when they progress through the education system, they're more likely to graduate from high school. They're more likely to seek a secondary education. In turn, they pay more in taxes as adults. So it's really an investment that pays for itself, especially when we're looking at things like economic inequity and systemic discrimination. It's one pathway to addressing some of the structural issues that are keeping people oppressed. That's kind of one consideration. We know that when parents have health coverage, the kids are more likely to get health coverage. They're more likely to understand how to navigate the system. So we don't want to just focus on the kids. We want to talk about the adults as well. I think generally that there are still a lot of barriers that children and families face to accessing health care. I think that applying with a navigator is one of the best ways that you can ensure that your application is completed correctly and increase your odds of being approved for health care. Part of that is really paperwork. So we're asking a lot of individuals for renewals. We're asking for a lot of documentation, particularly right now during the pandemic. It can be really difficult to access some of those materials when you need them for that application. So Going into the future, I think as much as we can simplify our processes behind this and really make getting people connected the end goal of getting health coverage. We talk about the Affordable Care Act in terms of pre-existing conditions a lot. We talk about dependent coverage until age 26 for children who can stay enrolled on their parents' insurance. But I want to just touch on the 10 essential health benefits as well and how critical those have been to making sure that kids who have health coverage can access preventive care at no cost and how much of a a true game changer that is in terms of making sure that those kids are getting to their well visits and that they're getting their screenings and their preventive care and their immunizations and how tremendous that is for public health. Claudia? If you had a couple of wishes on how to increase coverage in Arizona, what would they be? Oh, man, just a couple, huh? (laughs) I think for me, as I was listening to Zeta and the big picture, I think we also, from very much a community standpoint of view, we really have to outreach a lot into our communities 
our communities typically are fearful or suspicious and they don't often listen to people that are not from their community who maybe don't come from the same culture as them, maybe don't speak the same language. And I think it's important that as we continue to have these programs, that when we outreach, we really have to take our communities into consideration. And before we go into them, make sure that we're going into them in a thoughtful manner that really reflects that community so that we can get that buy-in and build that rapport with them. Because when you do build that rapport with some of our communities, once you're in, you're in. And when they find out how you can help them, the word of mouth is really all the advertisement you really need. Word of mouth is more powerful sometimes than any other kind of outreach method. If we take the time to go into our communities and spend time with our communities to do that kind of work, it's really time intensive. It's very time consuming, but it's worth it in the end because you know that you can carry that voice and that message further and deeper into a community and keep it there so that people will know to trust and to apply for the programs that are available. So I would love to have more outreach into specific communities. And we have tons of small businesses. Arizona has a lot of small business. And I think that is a key opportunity in getting more people enrolled into the programs that exist. Very quick example, Keo did some outreach to some of our Hispanic communities, and we went into some of the carnicerias, which are very much like butcher shops. And we would go in, we would talk to the employees, we would end up talking to the owners. They were very accessible. And we would just go in and tell them, hey, we just want this information. Can we leave these flyers? We can help people renew or apply for access, kids care, even the marketplace. And they were so receptive and welcoming that some of them even would put our flyer in every client's grocery bag. It was a way to spread the message and to let the community know that because it's a trusted area in the community that there was help for them. Alan, let's create a little word of mouth. Explain how affordable coverage could be for a hypothetical person at, say, 200% of the federal poverty level? Well, if we were to take a family of four where the two adults are age 40, and assuming they lived here in Maricopa County, they could get a silver plan, which means it's a solid plan, very comparable to employer insurance, for $260 a month. And that is because they would be qualifying for $502 a month in tax credits, and they would be getting some cost-sharing reduction. There are literally two types of financial aid in the marketplace. So this family would have a very affordable coverage for a family of four. Now, if they chose to, they could go to a bronze plan. The insurance company pays a smaller share, they pay a larger share, but their monthly premiums would only be $144. So our point is, Many people have had a change in their income this year. So many of these essential workers have been laid off or are furloughed or coming back only part-time. It's important for families that are uninsured to look because they may qualify for access, they may qualify for kids care, or some people would qualify for a free bronze plan 
just depending on their age and income. And in every county of Arizona, some people will qualify for a free bronze plan where your tax credits, your financial aid, covers 100% of your monthly premium. Quick quiz questions for Alan. This is fill in the blank, Alan. You ready? Okay. For the number of people who go to the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, the marketplace to get coverage, out of every 10 people who go, how many get financial help with their payments? The answer would be nine. Nine out of 10 in Arizona are getting financial assistance. Next quiz question. Out of that same 10 people, how many get a plan that covers them for the year for less than $100 a month? Oh, the answer there is eight out of 10. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. So this perception, it's too expensive. I won't look is what we have to overcome. Take a look. You may be pleasantly surprised. And again, we have people bilingual all over the state, ready, willing to help. And they're counselors, not salespeople. Claudia, Alan said it. Lots of people can get help. Lots of people can get great help that make insurance accessible in ways they didn't understand before. Talk more as well about this year's open enrollment for which you're excited and others are excited as well. What's it look like in terms of insurance companies, in terms of prices, in terms of the thresholds for financial help? There's a lot of choice out there. I think that's the the most important thing that people need to understand. There's a lot of choices out there. And what we want people to understand is that you could have a family unit be eligible for different programs. They might be eligible for marketplace, pick a plan within Maricopa County, and then you might have a child that might be eligible for kids care. And so here's my plug. You can go to a certified application counselor or a navigator, and a lot of us are able to handle both of these worlds, both of these programs. And what we're seeing with the issuers is that there are more choices, and the market has become more stable, and that there are people that will walk you through scenarios. And so that is the biggest thing that we do. We sit down with you and we say, if you needed surgery and you got a health plan through the marketplace, this is how much it would cost you. If you had an emergency and ended up in the ER, this is how much it could potentially cost you. And so our work as navigators is really built on taking our community members through these scenarios and say, okay, you know what, based on this situation or this need that this family has, they're going to understand which issue or which plan is the best one for them. But we're always there. Our mindset is always about what is the best decision for the consumer. The consumer is always at the top of mind for us. And so we want to make sure that they get connected to the most affordable and comprehensive health plan that is available for them. I have a really difficult quiz question for you, Claudia. You ready? Okay. True or false? Assisters and certified application counselors are only available to help people in English. That's false. We speak different languages. That's the beauty of it. We're a huge network of CACs and navigators who not only speak Spanish and English, but some of us can actually speak other languages. And we're here to help you. We're here to help the community. And that is our number one priority going into this open enrollment. And more than anything, it's that some of us have actually invested in technology 
to be able to handle everything over the phone. I know there are other partners that have been able to do virtual visits through HIPAA compliant software. Keo invested in software so that we could share information securely and to do everything over the phone. And so we have made these accommodations for this open enrollment time to make sure that we all stay safe and healthy. Zeta, we've spent a lot of time talking about the health insurance marketplace, the Affordable Care Act, but we have more than just that to draw on besides employer coverage. We have kids care, which is the children's health insurance plan. We have access, which is Medicaid. What does this open enrollment period have to do with either? Enrollment is always open and access and kids care. And right now there's a restriction in place at the federal level that says that if you are enrolled in Medicaid or CHIP, access or kids care in Arizona, that you can't be disenrolled during the course of the public health emergency. So just one kind of quick note, access did send out renewal letters on October 1st. So people will be getting paperwork from the agency. They should complete that. They should send it back if they are currently enrolled. But at this point, they cannot be disenrolled until January of this year, presuming that the public health emergency expires then. If it's further extended, then they would be able to keep coverage until then as well. Alan, how do you bring it all together? How do you bring together the Affordable Care Act slash Obamacare in the marketplace, Medicaid slash access, and kids care slash the Children's Health Insurance Program? How does it all come together into one thing? And how do people understand that better? Or do you help them understand it? We help them to understand it is a continuum. And this continuum is based on income. So for those people that have the lowest incomes, they may qualify for access, which has no monthly premium and no deductibles, no co-pays to speak. So you basically get coverage on day one and the first dollar you spend. If you earn a little too much for access, your children may benefit from kids care, but the parents could then shop in the marketplace to receive generous financial assistance. There's something for everybody, something for every income, and the fact of the matter is, is the richest people do not receive financial assistance in the marketplace, but they also have choices. And those that earn high incomes usually work through a broker. Assisters and navigators are really aimed at helping people that are lower income, may have some language barriers, may just have a lot of questions, and we're there to counsel them and help them find the best option for their family. Numbers we have, guys, they're all tied to 2019 at this point because that's how statistics go. And yet we've had this pandemic since February, which triggered a lot of furloughs, a bunch of layoffs, changed people's employment situation. Access enrollment right now is at one of its highest highs, but it's still much lower than we'd expect given those conditions. So what do we know about the pandemic and how has it impacted the overall uninsured rate? Most recent research indicates that a lot of people thought that their furlough or their period of unemployment would be very short. And they didn't want to go see a doctor because they were afraid they'd get COVID by going to a doctor's office. So consequently, a lot of people did not look to cover this gap while they were unemployed. 
we're hoping that now during open enrollment that people understand COVID is going to be with us longer than we ever expected. We're trying to get the message out that you can sign up for access or the marketplace and then drop it if you get employed and you get employer coverage. So you risk nothing. We're trying to get that out. We hope that we see strong numbers, but we were a little bit surprised during the summer that more people were not showing up to get help. Zeta, same question. When it comes to modeling these circumstances, we're really in uncharted territory, both economically and from an insurance perspective. So as Alan mentioned, we're really anticipating that as this goes on, we will see more people losing employer-sponsored coverage and needing to turn to Affordable Care Act marketplace or Medicaid or CHIP to get coverage. I also think it's really interesting that the Joint Legislative Budget Committee, which operates as, as part of the state kind of independently from the legislature, has predicted that this fiscal year is going better than they had hoped. They're ending on a higher revenue projection than they had anticipated. And the next fiscal year looks pretty good, too. It's when we get to fiscal year 2023 that things really take a downturn. So I think that we really need to be talking about this in the long term. We need to be talking about this as a years-long effort to keep people enrolled, not just a temporary stopgap measure. That number is so subject to change. They are operating off of any number of assumptions. There may be some additional federal support that comes in that would offset that. There may be anyone's guess about what could change in the next few years that would impact that. So I want to keep the understanding on that this isn't just during the pandemic. You need to keep it going and we need to be tying all of these efforts to the economic situation in our state as well. Claudia, your thoughts? What did these guys miss that you want to add? I guess what I would also add is Health insurance didn't seem to be at top of mind for a lot of people in the beginning. I know a lot of people, and they're still very much concerned about how they're going to pay their rent or their utilities and how are they going to put food on the table. And so I also believe that those were much higher priorities for some of our community members. And healthcare was there, but maybe not at the top. And so I think what we're also seeing now is that with the amount of people that unfortunately have been sick, having to access care, now kind of thinking, okay, it's not just about the food on the table, but it's also, how am I going to take my kid to their well child check? How am I going to get them immunized? And I don't have insurance for them. And so it's kind of driving people out to get those answers or get connected to a program, whether it be access, kids care, or, or even the marketplace. So I think it's also becoming more top of mind for the community. We're going to play one more game called Boil It Down. It's a brand new game, never been played before. Health insurance coverage, people don't think about. And when they do have to work on it, it's incredibly complicated. Now, we are incredibly fortunate that all three of you are year-long participants and advocates who work in this area. So what I'm going to ask you to do, as members of the Covered Arizona Coalition, as members of the Covered Kids Coalition, I want you to boil it down to the one key message everyone needs to hear this open enrollment period. I'm going to start with Alan. Boil it down. Health insurance protects you from unexpected changes in your health, and it protects all that you own, your house, your car, your assets. It is vital for the well-being of your family. 
Nicely done. Claudia, boil it down. I would say you have options. You as a community of Arizona, you have options that you can plug into that are affordable, that meet your needs. And best of all, there is free help across the state. We'll guide you, help you understand what your coverage could potentially look like, because we understand that your health is the priority. Zeta, come from your angle, all the policy, all the complication, boil it down. I want to reiterate what Alan said a little bit earlier and what Claudia said just now, that the Affordable Care Act is still law. And we still have these protections in place. And what this pandemic has shown us is that more than ever, it's really important to have access to preventive care when you need it and to be able to see a doctor at the first sign of symptoms. And so I want to leave everybody on that note that this is timely, but it's also eternal. We need to keep kids connected well beyond this pandemic, but that should be a pretty good impetus in its own right. Thank you, Zeta. Thank you, Claudia. And thank you, Alan. Each of you works tirelessly year-round to help Arizonans gain access to care and coverage, and our state's health and well-being benefits greatly from your organization's actions. We kept things as short as we could on this topic, and we even played Boil It Down at the end of this episode because the next days and weeks before December 15 are crucial. We need to make the most of this window of time before it closes to get people covered for 2021. So please, take a moment right now to think about who should hear this episode next and pass it on. Of course, when you do, do it smartly and safely, as in COVID smartly. Do not be fatigued or relaxed when it comes to COVID-19. Just as importantly, don't forget that a twindemic of flu and rising COVID cases is possible, and avoiding that twindemic that would overburden hospital emergency rooms, it's up to us. Get your flu shot now to help avoid the combined effect of the flu and COVID on your neighbors, our healthcare professionals, and our hospitals. Make sure you continue to wash up, mask up, physically distance wherever you can, and keep a heads up for each other out there. Double points for masking up, by the way. It can help prevent COVID and the flu from spreading. Next, testing can help. It's more broadly available and it's free. When in doubt, get tested. Lastly, remember that we're in a marathon, not a sprint. By being in this together, we will get out of this together. Once you've passed this episode to others who need to hear it, don't hesitate to delve into our back catalog of episodes. Recently, episode 50 introduced you to Vitalist Health Data Dashboard. Before that, episode 48 offered an intriguing and insightful episode featuring three incredible emerging leaders from Tucson. And every two weeks since March, our COVID-19 roundtable has been there for you to help sort the signal from the noise. There's a lot to listen to, including guests from across the state and national experts too. Visit us on the web at vitalisthealth.org slash podcast. Check out all of our current and past episodes on Spotify, or simply reach into that podcast app you're using right now and select another show to find out what's going on related to health and well-being in Arizona. That's it for this episode. The takeaways from this dialogue belong at the family dinner table as much as they do in your place of business, in city and town halls, and in the domains of healthcare and public health. So please, share this episode far and wide. Subscribe to the Vitalist Spark podcast to get notified as soon as new episodes are released. Or listen to the Vitalist Spark podcast just like you listen to your favorite music on Spotify. Give us your feedback wherever you get your podcasts. Or give us your feedback the old-fashioned way. Your corrections, complaints, and compliments are all welcomed by emailing us at feedback at vitalisthealth.org. Finally, remember this. 
With great responsibility comes great power. We'll see you back on the road to well-being soon.